Hey, good morning, Crestview Baptist Church. How's everybody going this morning? All right. Everybody keeps looking at me like something's different. I can't figure it out. Uh, but I am uh, the same old Chad. I am glad to be here today. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us this morning. A lot of places you could be, and I'm glad to have you here. Um, like to welcome you. I see a few uh, faces that for the first time, maybe. If you're a guest or a visitor for the first time, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. There are some uh, cards in the pews in front of you. If you could just fill one of those out and drop it in the offering plate, just, just like I say, so we could get to know you a little better. Um, quite a few announcements, uh, really, going into the week. Um, just a reminder, I wasn't here last week to remind you. I tried to send it out on Facebook. And some text messages out with the, the youth is having a chili cook-off tonight um, with the youth and the children. Really, we're having a chili cook-off and the proceeds will go to um, youth and children's camp. So a couple of things. If you are a youth or a child and you're going to camp, I would like for you to try, to, try your best to be here tonight to help with the setup and the cleanup. I'm going to be here around 5 Um just to maybe kind of serve and ask people if they need things, um, just so they can see that you are involved. If you are an adult and you want to bring chili, as long as you have it here before we start, you're good to go. The way that's going to work, work is um, I'm going to have some extra things like cheese and things like that, but the chili, uh, you bring it, you donate it. Um, it's a donation to come in and eat. Uh, each person that eats will get a ticket to, to, to vote for their favorite chili. And the winner will get a certificate and a little prize. So um, keep all that in mind. That starts at 5.30 tonight. There are announcements in here about camps coming up. It's not too late. If you've not let me know, please let me know for sure if you're going. Uh, message me directly or call me directly and say, Hey, my kid wants to go to camp, and I will make it. We will make it happen. Um, hey, it's Saturday. It's first Saturday of the month again. Man, those things roll around uh, real quick. So uh, keep that in mind. Come out and support the Baptist men uh, for our breakfast on Saturday. Don't forget Wednesday night we have our regular church service uh, here. Um, youth and children out in the building. Adults up here. Um, men, let's see, Terry, are we working this week? Tuesday, Thursday? Thursday night, 5.30? Tuesday night, 5.30, we came out, we had a few of us, there was about, I don't know, six of us here this week, and we worked on getting some shelves out there in the building, out there in our old storage building that the men have added on to the youth building, it's looking good. Um, so come out and help for that if you can, and I think Miss Joy and Miss Linda have a special presentation, maybe, do you? Special presentation. After their special presentation, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Artie and let him open us up in prayer. But ladies and gentlemen, Miss Joy. Okay, uh, one thing I wanted to mention from WMU is that the sponsorship of the Adopt-A-Child is uh, due in March. And a lot of you had wanted to participate in years past. So if you would like to help sponsor a child in Nicaragua, just uh, see me and 
you know, whatever you want to donate is fine. Uh, we'll take it for sure. And the other thing uh, from WMU is that uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering starts next week. And um, our goal this year is $2,000 again. So uh, remember that and pray about what you can give. But WMU is also planning on a couple things to try to raise money. So uh, Linda's gonna tell you about one in just a minute while she holds up the sign, you can just read it. But in April, we'll be having a baked potato and salad bar with dessert and drink. Uh, and we'll get a sign up for that pretty soon. And if you want to sign up, just see uh, me or see Linda or Sandra and get on the list. And if you can, we'd like to have you pay in advance so that we'll have money to buy the food too. And I'm gonna turn it over to Linda. So I don't really have much to add about it except for um, Annie Armstrong. I guess the we're gonna kick it off starting a bake sale today after church in the fellowship hall. Um, probably, I don't know how much items are gonna be there, but but um, it's all gonna contribute to this goal of $2,000. Um, we just thought it'd be kind of a fun way to raise money to meet our goal um, each Sunday leading up to that event of the, the dinner. Um, I think it's the 14th. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so this will be a consistent employer every week. And um, if anybody feels like to participate and bring in dishes to sell and help, you know, just carefully consider what you may be able to contribute. And um, so yeah, we just wanted to kick this off. I thought it would be a fun way to, to raise a few. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I hope you guys don't mind, but Chad and I decided together that we were going to dye our bleach blonde our hair. Mine's done, you just can't tell because... <laughs> Bless your heart, is that what somebody said back here? You know what that's Baptist for, right? <laughs> but, yeah. This is from the Long Range Planning Committee. Uh, we have been working on the survey for the church members and those who attend regularly to fill out and so we can kind of get some ideas on where we're going and what we need to be doing for the church. So uh, we'll have some hard copies today, but Nancy will be sending out from the church email the survey and you can print it out, bring it back, email it back, or uh, snail mail it back. Just get it back to us by, do you remember what day that's? March 10th. March 10th. Thank you. Oh, mailbox. <laughs> Everybody keep telling me things. We've got a mailbox out here beside the uh, individual mailboxes, the black U.S. Post Office mailbox. Just put your surveys if you bring it into the church in the mailbox and somebody from the committee will get it. Thank you. Okay, well, good morning. Good morning. 
I hope everyone is doing well this morning. We do have uh, a, a couple of things to, to remind you about. Um, continue to pray for uh, Laura Ledford. She is still in the hospital there at, uh, in Charlotte, uh, recovering from back surgery. Um, hopefully, she'll be able to go home today or tomorrow. Continue to pray for Doyne as he is continuing treatment. And continue to pray for Rick Stowe, recovering from uh, surgery for removing his kidney. And there's several others. Whitey, um, he is in constant pain at this point, And it's March 11th is scheduled for his surgery. Hopefully they won't change it again. Um, so continue to pray for all of us. If you've got a prayer sheet, there's, they're available on the, on the desk outside of the, the door coming into the sanctuary. There's the whole list of, of prayer concerns that we have here in the church. So please continue to pray for each other. And as we begin our time of worship here this morning, if you would please join me in prayer right now. Our blessed Lord and Savior, we come before you. Dear Lord, we have gathered together in your name today to worship you, to hear from you. And dear Lord, right now, I ask that your Holy Spirit move among your people. Dear Lord, that you would take all of the concerns that we have. That you would bind Satan from this place. And that you would calm each and every distraction. So that just for this short hour, dear Lord, we can fully focus on you. Dear Lord, I ask that You move, that You convict, that You open our ears and our hearts so that we can receive Your Word. Dear Lord, whether it's by song in the choir and Sandra leading us in worship, whether it's Chad sharing his children's sermon, or through the message that I have from Scripture, Dear Lord, take each of those and touch our lives with it so that we may leave this place closer to, the, to You than when we came. Dear Lord, if there is someone here this morning or listening online that does not know You as their Savior, may the Holy Spirit work in their lives, drawing them closer and closer to You until they come to know the peace that can only come from, from knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, may everything that's done and said here today bring You honor and glory. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. I was listening to a message on the radio the other day, and... The comment was made about the condition that our country is in, the condition that our world is in, and how people are just saying, you know, we're just falling apart. We're falling apart. And 
what the comment was, not we're falling apart, we're falling into place. What the Bible says is exactly where we are. But as the Christian, that's not reason for us to say, oh, no, oh, this is terrible. We should be saying, hallelujah. And the, uh, Jesus tells us over and over in the Bible that soon and very soon he's coming. He says, I'm coming quickly. So again, reason to say, hallelujah. So let us stand as we sing, soon and very soon. And when we get to that part, hallelujah, let's hear you sing hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to give to you. Lord, these gifts and tithes that we give are not for us, but they are to spread the gospel, the good news about you. So we thank you for this privilege, and I ask that you will bless this gift and the giver. For it is your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing, Just a Closer Walk With Thee. And knowing how soon our Savior is coming, this should be our prayer that we just draw closer to him. 448.
question and this question might not be something that you guys have been through because we're still you guys are still let's see, who's the oldest here let's see who's nine anybody nine are you ten how old are you Tucker eight ain't anybody nobody older than eight so we got a couple that's tied for the oldest here but have you guys ever been through a tough time in life no probably not how about the adult you have you have, how about the adults? You guys ever been through a tough time in life? Yeah, we, we, go, we go through tough times in life. But you know, tough times in life, they seem really bad. Like as you get older, you might face, you might lose somebody you love. You might have a fight with a friend. Uh, you, might, you might lose a friend. Maybe you guys might not see eye to eye on things, and you guys, we can't be friends anymore. Well, Sometimes you have an argument, yeah. So tough times in life can be just that. They can be tough. But you know they're for a purpose. When we have tough times in life, they're there for a reason. Did you know that? I want you to look. I brought a few things this morning. I brought an unsharpened pencil and a sharpened pencil and a pencil sharpener. Now, I want you to think about your life as this pencil. Maybe it's not sharpened yet. Maybe it's... Maybe it's broke on the end. Let's see if I can. I'm not strong as I once was. Maybe it's broke on the end. And think about this as a trial that God might put you through. Now, it's going to hurt. It's going to be tough to go through a trial. And I'm not going to do it here because it's just going to fall on the floor. But I'll show you out there. But if I take this pencil sharpener, this trial, and I use it and I put it in my life, what will it do? What will it do to this pencil? It will sharpen it, right? It'll make it sharp. Well, that's what trials are for in our life. They're to help us grow, to make us stronger, to make us sharp. I'm going to share a Bible verse with you. And that Bible verse comes from the book of James. Maybe. I got it marked. I promise. The book of James... Chapter 1, verse 12, listen to this. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when, he, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You're going to go through tough times in life. You're going to go through temptations. You're going to go through hard times in life. But if you'll let the Lord sharpen you up, and you'll take those temptations then I promise you, you're going to come out of those problems and you're going to come out of those situations a sharper person and you're going to grow and it helps you grow to be who God wants you to be. Isn't that awesome? 
So we're going to talk more about that when we get to Children's Church. I want to pray and ask you guys to sit right there, and then we'll go out to Children's Church in a few minutes. Let's bow our heads. God, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for putting things in our life that um, uh, put us through trials and put us through tough times. And we, when we go through those tough times, we're, we're thankful that you're there to make us stronger so that we come out of those stronger and better and ready to serve you. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you for each one of these boys and girls that are here. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As Chad was talking about us going through trials, we do sooner or later. We all go through our trials. But as the Christian, we have that confidence and that assurance that we will be in heaven singing praises to our Lord and Savior. So once you get to heaven, if you're looking for or one of your friends are looking for you, just go ahead and tell them now. Look for you around the throne singing praises to our Lord and Savior. Look around. 
Thank you, choir. I got a question for you. Have you ever seen this tree? Huge tree. Big tree. Strong tree. But then there's a storm. And that tree falls over. And when you go and look at that tree, the outward appearance showed a healthy, strong tree, but there was nothing in the middle of it. It was dead inside. That is the picture of the church that we're going to be looking at today. The church of Sardis. In Revelation chapter 3, this is the fifth church that Jesus sent a message to through His revelation to John. And if you will turn to Revelation chapter 3, we're going to be looking at the first six verses. And as I read these, if you would please stand in the honor of the reading of God's Word. And again, in my Bible, I mean, it's red. That means that it's Jesus speaking here. So look at these verses, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3 of Revelation. It says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. If therefore you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come upon you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall thus be clothed in white garments and will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, thank you so much for what we see revealed through John. Dear Lord, help us to understand what you are saying to the church in Sardis and what you are saying to us today. Bless the reading of your word and speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Again, this letter, this message to this church follows the same pattern as the, the messages to the four previous churches. Jesus describes Himself to His church. 
Look at Revelation 1a, just the first part. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. Jesus describes Himself as master of every spiritual power and authority. So let's look at this. He's used this description of Himself before in the very first letter. And in chapter 1, He is described as having the seven spirits of God and, the seven, and holds the seven stars in His hands. He who has the seven spirits. Jesus has the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This seven spirits of God. This is an Old Testament reference to the fullness of the Spirit of God. And Jesus has that in Himself. And He gives that fullness of the Holy Spirit to His church. Now let me ask you a question. In Acts, as Jesus is preparing to ascend into heaven, He promises His disciples what? A comforter. A paraclete. But He also tells them, wait here until you receive what I promise. Then He goes on and says, and when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will receive power. And you will be My witnesses. As a saved person, the gift of the Holy Spirit is something that we have when we accept Christ. Now, in Acts, those original disciples in the hundred or so that were around them had to wait until God sent the Holy Spirit. And that happened when? I mean, you guys can talk back to me. It's okay. The day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is when they received the Holy Spirit and they began speaking. And thousands of people were added to the church that day. Thousands of people put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ because of the act of the Holy Spirit that day through Peter's preaching. Then, people would receive the Holy Spirit when the hands were laid upon them. But the Bible is very clear that as that proceeded, that you remember that when uh, one of the disciples went, he, he could not believe that these people had already accepted Christ and they just wanted to be taught, they wanted to be discipled, but that they had already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are just like that group of people. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are embodied by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit begins working in us. That is through Jesus Christ. He gives that to us. He does not give the Holy Spirit to this building. This building is bricks, mortar, and paint. Jesus did not die on the cross to save this building. This building is a building. It is where the church gathers. We, saved 
Disciples of Jesus Christ are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the ones He's going to come back and get. He gives us the fullness of that Holy Spirit. And then it says that He, ho- that he has the seven stars. Those seven stars represents the pastors or the leaders of these seven churches. And He's holding those pastors in His hand. He's guiding, directing. He is holding on to them. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. And if a pastor tells you anything different than this, you stop listening to him. The only way I am able to do what I am doing is through the guidance and leadership and power of God Almighty through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if it was left to me, I would be sitting in the very back row as far back and I probably wouldn't even be in this building if it was left to me. but a pastor stands behind this pulpit because of the Holy Spirit and the work and power of God in his life. There is no other way that you could do this. And if somebody says, look what I'm doing, stop listening to them right then. Because I'm telling you, I don't want you to look at me. I want you to look at Jesus. And then look at what Jesus knows about His church in 3.1b, the second part of, of verse 1. I know your deeds, that you have the name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Just like every church, God, Jesus said, I know what you do. I know your deeds. What a church is, And what a church does is never hidden from Jesus. You guys get that? What a church does and what a church is. That includes why, what's the motivation behind what we do? Jesus knows what that is. That cannot be hidden. He knows our hearts. He knows our inner workings. He knows ourselves better than we know ourselves. He knows everything and it cannot be hidden. He knows what we're doing. He knows why we're doing it. Then he goes on and says, I know you have a name that you are alive. Jesus knew that this church had a reputation of being full of life and vitality. Just like that tree that I described, looking on the outside, you see this big, huge tree that's been standing there for year after year after year and had withstood many a storm. The squirrels and the birds are all over that tree. It's tossing out its seeds. It loses its leaves and gains its leaves back in the, in the spring. It is a strong tree. It's probably even got a tire swing hanging from it and kids climbing around it and playing it. Somebody's having a, a barbecue underneath it or a cookout underneath the, the branches in the shade. It is strong. It is alive. But the entire time, Deep inside of that tree, it is being ate away. And it's dying from the inside out. 
And when it finally does fall, the entire inside of that tree is rotten. Church, the same thing happening to this church. They did not start saying, let us just have a, be a, a church of a good reputation. Doesn't matter. Let's just make it appear that we have it all together. Church, that's never the way a church starts. A church starts by people coming together wanting to worship Jesus Christ. Wanting to learn about Jesus Christ. But then something happens. Something's allowed in. Something that's not done. The work becomes the most important thing. The reputation becomes the most important thing. Until that rot and the decay sets in. And that once alive and vibrant church is dead on the inside. He says this. He says, I know that you have a name. I know you have a good reputation. I know that you have this. I know that you have this. That you're looked at as being a powerful church, but you are dead. That's his next thing. You are dead. Jesus saw through the false appearance to what was at the heart of his church. This is what we have to understand that a good reputation is no guarantee of true spiritual character. A good reputation is no guarantee of true spiritual character. You know, I lived my life many, many years. I grew up in church. I was part of youth groups. I was part of committees. But I was in my 20s before God finally broke me down to the point where I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I went to a private school my, from 7th grade to 12th grade. I had a Bible class every day. I knew doctrine. I went to chapel and heard preaching three times a week, not counting Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night with my family at church. I didn't have to hold a, a, a hymnal. I knew all the words to the songs. I knew. I could quote the same Scripture the preacher was preaching from. I knew that. I knew what the Bible said. But that didn't make a difference. I had a reputation of being from a, a great family, a great Christian family. And then when I was in college, after I graduated high school, something happened that started tearing down all that facade in my family. My mom got saved at a Bailey Smith revival. Bailey Smith came to our church and he had preaching and my mom got saved. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And then several years later, my sister got saved. Okay? She's younger than me, so I can, I can... 
the whole time, the Holy Spirit was gnawing at me. And I was miserable. And then one day, my dad, who, had been, who was a deacon and had been the treasurer of the church, had been on the search committees calling the pastors to the church. After church, he and my mom went to the post office to check their post office box. My mom looked at him and says, you lied. He said, what are you talking about? She says, I saw your eyes. When the preacher was talking to you, I saw your eyes and you lied to him. You told him that you were saved, but you're not. My dad looked dead at her and says, you're right. And there in the parking lot, it wasn't in a church. It was in their car in the parking lot at the post office. He prayed to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. And then he called me. I didn't want to talk to him about it. But he went and told the preacher. And the preacher said, Artie's, he told my, the preacher, he said, Artie's next. That night at church was the most uncomfortable service I'd ever sat through. Preacher didn't preach, it was a testimony service. But by the end of that service, God took what was dead and made alive. Because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I said, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of knowing all this stuff here, but not having it here. And I accepted Jesus Christ. Because I had the reputation, I was more concerned about what people thought about me than what God thought about me. And that night, that switched. And I got to where I could care less of what people thought about me because I was more concerned about what God thought about me. A good reputation is no guarantee of true spiritual character. So what does God want His church to do? What is He telling the church of Sardis to do? Look at verses 2-3a. through 3a. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So that remember, or so remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. First thing he tells them is to wake up and strengthen the things that remain. What that tells us is this, is that Though the spiritual condition of this church was bad. Oh, it was bad. They were dying inside. It wasn't hopeless. Oh, if you read every time, even when we read about Jezebel, God, Jesus kept giving her opportunity to repent. It was not hopeless. Even in Daniel... God kept giving Nebuchadnezzar signs. He kept calling him, wanting him to acknowledge him as being the God Most High. And he wouldn't. And God, it, He gave him the last chance. And Nebuchadnezzar, even before it happened, Daniel's begging him, please repent. 
Turn to, turn to righteousness. Turn away from what you're doing. God gives him another chance. God kept giving me chance after chance after chance. It is never hopeless. Until you close your eyes in death, there is always opportunity. And no matter how dead this church was on the inside, he is saying, strengthen what remains. There is always hope. It wasn't too late. Jesus had not given up on his church. Even though it was late and about to die, it was not too late. And he says, I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. I think the King James Version uses the word perfected. Is how it, it, it interprets that word. This church had works. They were doing a lot of things, but they were not up to God's standards. They were not done with the right attitude. They were not done with the right heart. They were not done with the right purpose. They were not done by the right motivation. The presence of works isn't enough because God requires that they should be done with a heart and a manner that show them to be perfect before God. Everything that we do as a church should point people to Jesus Christ. If we're doing it for any other reason than that, we're doing it with the wrong motivation. This church, it was an active church, but they were dead in the inside, and so their motivation was not where it needed to be. And it was not being done for God. It was being done to build their reputation. And he says, remember it, keep it, and repent. Remember what you've received. Remember, he's already told one church, remember where you started. Do the things that you did before. He's saying the same thing here. Remember it. Keep it and repent. Remember how they first received the Word of God. You guys remember that moment that you accepted Christ as your Savior? And how you felt? Remember how that felt. To have somebody pray with you. To somebody share the gospel with you when it finally clicks. Remember that. Never lose that. David prayed, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Whose salvation? Was it my salvation? What does David say? No. Thy salvation. Paul tells us that we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift of God. It is not ours. We have been giving it. It is His. We need to remember that. Keep the commands of Jesus and hold on to the promises of Jesus. We are commanded to do so many things. And all of them are not only just for us, they are for others as well. How we treat other people, how we do things, it is not just for our benefit, it is not for our reputation, but it is to make us 
more like Him. And then repent by turning and restoring the Gospel and God's Word to authority over our lives. Church, this church forgot about the authority of God's Word. And many churches today have forgotten about the authority of God's Word. They want to look at it and say, well, it can be interpreted so many different ways. I'm going to tell you something. God did not create gray areas. God is black and white. It is either for Him or it is against Him. It is either His will or it's not His will. It is either right or wrong. It is whether either male or female. There are no in-betweens and there are no gray areas. Guess who created the gray areas? Satan. With our help. We're the ones. It is not God. We have to remember the authority of Scripture. The authority of God's Word. And not only the written Word, but the living Word, Jesus Christ. We have to remember His authority. And we have to place ourselves under His authority. That's what it means to saying Jesus is Lord of our life. We submit, we surrender, and we place ourselves under His authority. And we're just along for the ride. We're not the ones choosing where we go. We're the ones that said, okay, I'm going to get on board with God or I'm staying behind. It's only two options. Blackaby says that it's a, a, a conflict of faith when we come to know and realize where God is leading and where we are in respect to His will. We're either in His will or we're out of His will. And then we may need to make that decision. Are we going to follow God or are we going to go against God? Only two options. We have to understand that. Repent. Turn away from what you're doing and turn toward God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the Word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but what it really is, the Word of God, which also performs its works in you who believe. You find it. Every time I study something, I realize more and more that this book, all 66 books that have been canonized into our Scripture, that have been written by different men over thousands of years, they fit together like hand and glove. All pointing in the same direction to draw us closer to God through Jesus Christ. From Genesis until Revelation, it just fits together. What will Jesus do if there is no repentance? We'll look at the second part of verse 3. Therefore, if you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know it at what hour I will come. Therefore, if you will not wake up, Jesus warned them of a great danger if the church does not wake up. 
When, G, when the Bible says wake up, what does it mean? Well, it's different. Well, not really. When Jesus went to the, the tomb of Lazarus, what was His command? Lazarus, wake up! When He tells us in Scripture that we need to wake up, it's very similar to telling Lazarus to get up from the dead. When He tells us to wake up, it means pay attention, be alert, be active, stop just sitting there or stop just lying there. Get up and move. That's what He's telling this church. Wake up. Stop being satisfied with the reputation. Start doing what you've been commanded to do. You know, I learned this past week that there is a very big difference and we interchange these terms and we're wrong. A very big difference between missions and ministries. See, the missions, that's what we're commanded to do by God. The mission of the church is the mission that He has given us in the Great Commission. And what does He tell us? To go and make disciples. So missions is literally comprised of two things. Evangelism. Getting people to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And the second part of missions is this. is After they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're being discipled. They're being taught to obey all that which I have commanded you. That's missions. Evangelism and discipleship. Ministries are our acts of service. How we serve our community. How we serve each other. Those are the ministries of the church. But the missions of the church should always be evangelism and discipleship. Wake up. Wake up and do what you've been called to do. Then He says, I will come like a thief. Jesus will come when they are unaware, unexpected, and unprepared. You know, uh, I remember as a teenager living at home, my kids do the same exact thing. My parents would leave to go on a trip and they'd say, okay, I want you to have this, 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 and this done by the time I get back. Well, see, back then we didn't have cell phones. So my mom and dad never called and said, hey, we're coming home. They just showed up. And guess what happened to us when we heard that car pulling into the driveway? Guess what we started doing? This, 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 and this. Trying to get it done before they walked in the door. Were we ever successful? No! And I can't tell you what it felt like if I had left the house and I was gone and I pull in I come down our street and I look and see their car sitting in the driveway and I know I had not done this, this, and this, and this. Guess who was waiting for me when I walked in that door? A what? Eventually, yeah. But first I had to get through my mom and dad both standing there going, 
with that look that can burn holes in your forehead. Listen, in today's age, we call. Okay, we're heading home. If it's not done, it better be done by the time I get home. Guess what? I can't tell you how many times I get, we get home from, and we're talking about just going to Shelby. Hey, I want you to wash the dishes or take out the trash. How many times we pull in and we see Timothy carrying two big old trash bags out of the house? Or fate standing there at the, at the sink doing dishes. God has told us what He wants us to accomplish. And if we don't wake up, it's going to be the same thing and Jesus is going to catch us carrying out the trash. He's going to ca- catch us doing what He's been told to do. Instead of having it done waiting for Him, He's going to catch us unprepared. That's what He's warning this church. If you don't wake up, you're not going to have it done. But all things are not hopeless. This final exhortation, look at verses 4 and 6, or 4 through 6. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. I like what the King James, how the King James translated that verse. It says, blot out. Blot out. And I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. First off, He says, but you have a few people. Even among a dead church, God always has a remnant of faithful disciples. Always. We learned that with Elijah. He's in that cave hiding because Jezebel tells him he's going to kill it. She's going to kill him. And he says, they've killed everybody else and I'm the only one left. And I, oh, poor me. I'm going to go out in my backyard and I'm going to eat worms. And God says, there's a remnant. I have preserved for myself a remnant. You are not alone. And we need to understand that. That no matter how bad it may get in somebody's church, God preserves a remnant. There is always someone that God preserves. In a church in Pergamum and in Thyatira, there were a few bad among the good. But here in Sardis, there was, it was reversed. There were only a few good among the bad. Then he says, walk with me. That they will walk with me. A close fellowship and friendship with Jesus. Methuselah walked with... No, it was Enoch. Enoch walked with God. And what does the Bible... How does the Bible say that Enoch died? It doesn't. It just says, and he was no more. He's out walking and talking with God one day and said, God's like, okay, I like this. Come on, you're going to come with me. He was just gone. He never died. 
only one other person in the Bible that says that they never died. Who was that? Besides Jesus. Elijah. Remember how Elijah got taken up? In a fiery chariot. And people saw it. Elisha was sitting there and he saw him go up in a fiery chariot. Can you imagine having that relationship where you just walk and talk with God? And you're counted as His friend. Do you walk and talk with people you don't like? No. But having that relationship with God where you walk and talk with Him and then clothed in white garments, Jesus will clothe the faithful disciples with garments of purity and righteousness. Purity and righteousness. Then I will not erase or blot out His name from the book of life. Now listen, I want you to understand this. This is not saying that anyone can lose their salvation. That your name will be erased from the book of life. That's not what it's saying. It is an assurance that the names of the faithful disciples of Jesus Christ are written and will not be removed from the book of life. If you truly are a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, says, I will not. The only one that has the power to do it will not blot out or erase that name. And then even bigger. I will confess His name before my Father. This is an amazing promise. It simply makes sense that we should be willing to confess His name as our Savior. The name of Jesus Christ. But it's amazing that He would not be ashamed to confess us before His Father. Can you imagine Jesus Christ standing on the right side of the Father confessing Jesus looks at Him and says Sharon Khan she's one of mine. Cleve Daggerheart, he's one of mine. Church, I can't wait to hear my name called. Oh, what a promise. And then again, he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Church, if there's any other words in Scripture, none can be more clear than this. That this is not just written to the people there. It was not just written to the people of that time. But it is written for us today. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
This message and everything within it is not just for the church of Sardis, but for every disciple of Jesus and His church yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This morning, when I got into my truck and I started it, of course I had a little bit of frost on the windshield, so I had to let it warm up a little bit. So I was listening to the <clears throat> to music. The first song that came on was this song. And it described my testimony so much. Jesus at a distance by casting crowns. Listen to to the words of this song. I've been keeping Jesus at a distance, so afraid to let Him get too close to the two lives I have been living as if He couldn't see them both. Close enough to feel the warmth of the fire. Far enough away for me to hide. But I'm tired of walking the wire between the darkness and the light. I was offered resurrection, but I settled for the grave. I had the chance to walk walk on water, but I chose to play it safe. I've been hiding from the healer. I thought my wounds were out of reach. But the end of all my running... You're still running after me. All my dreams and my treasures, when I can barely hold it together, when I can't control where tomorrow's going, when the ghost of my yesterday comes calling, who am I when there's no one else around, when the sun comes up till the sun goes down? So no more Jesus at a distance. No more pushing you away. I don't want to settle for the back road or some Sunday morning faith. So I'm holding nothing back now because there's nothing you don't see. No more Jesus at a difference can change every part of me. Listen. When you keep Jesus at a distance, He's not going to make a difference in your life. He's not going to make a difference in our church. We have to do exactly what God is telling the church in Sardis. That we have to remember it. We have to keep it. And we have to repent. We have to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We have to honor Him. We have to obey Him. We have to make Him Lord of our life without compromise, without apology, so that we can do the mission of our church. Forgetting about the reputation and what people think about us. Because when we're dead and standing in judgment, what people thought about us here on earth is not going to matter. Jesus isn't even going to mention that. Jesus is going to look at us and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or He's going to say, depart from Me because I never knew you. One of those two things. Which one's it going to be? Do you want to be like the church in Sardis, like that oak tree or that big tree that was vibrant and looked good on the outside, but inside it was dying. And it was dead. 
That's the invitation. Are you satisfied where you are? Or do you want more? Are you satisfied running? Are you ready to stop running just like I did and turn it all over to God? Jesus is sitting there and He's waiting for you with open arms. The choice is up to you. Will you answer His call? Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation number 447, Trust and Obey. for being here this morning. I hope God spoke to you today. Um, how is Walt? Is he still in ICU? Oh, he's got MRSA? Okay. Continue to pray for Walt, Walt Connor. Um, he is at hospital in Spartanburg. Um, he was in ICU. He had pneumonia, but he's got an infection. So, Please continue to pray for him. Um, don't forget, WMU's doing the bake sale in there today. WMU is in the fellowship hall with a bake sale. If you want to stop by and get some sweet stuff on your way out, um, do that. All of it's going toward uh, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And don't forget tonight, the chili cook-off, it's donations. Tom help support the youth and children as they prepare to go to camp this summer, and don't forget Wednesday night Bible study, 6.30, youth and children in the building, adults here in the sanctuary, and then Thursday night at 5.30, the, the men are getting together to do some, some work around the church, so please join them then. Thank you for being here, and I'm going to ask Dan, he's going to be up top, but he's going to dismiss us in prayer from there. Let's pray. General Pablo, we just uh, come before you humbly, Lord, just to thank you for your word you were delivered, Lord, over the last few weeks. Lord, I just pray as a church and as each individual, Lord, that we would go out today and the rest of this week, Lord, the Lord, just contemplate and think of, about what the, uh, the sermons have, 
have been the same, Lord. What, what are we and who are we, Lord? Have we forgotten who you are? Have we forgotten what pit that you pulled us out of, dear Lord, to provide us the salvation that you, you can only provide? Dear Lord, um, I pray, Lord, we're not dead. I pray that we just focus on you this, this week, dear Lord. And that we, we ask you, Lord, because nothing, nothing else can evaluate our hearts and where we stand, dear Lord, but you. Dear Lord, so I ask for that, dear Lord. And if, if we need to repent, that we would repent, Lord. And Lord, just thank you for all that you do. And just thank you for all that you provide. And I just pray for those who are born out today, all of us, Lord, that you would just protect us. And that we, each and every day, each and every hour, Lord, we show who you are and not us. Thank you, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.